Hello, everyone. My name is Christopher Jason Bell, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the podcast Indie Beat. You're here, we're here, so let's do this. Uh, today I'll be talking to friend and fellow filmmaker Robbie Hillier Barnett. Hello, Robbie. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. You the man, you know? Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> um, so, Robbie has done a feature film called Tears of God, which is really, really great. And we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little bit about uh, how he makes it work as a filmmaker living in Los Angeles and doing really cool, unique, weird movies and VR stuff. So, Robbie, can you pitch these people Tears of God? Tell them what it's about the best way you can. Um, okay. Well, Tears of God is a short feature-length film. It runs about an hour and nine minutes. And it's essentially about this world that's almost like post-apocalyptic. And then there's like a church. And uh, the church is super patriarchal and uh, imposes like these weird like rituals and laws on its people to essentially protect it from like just like supernatural occurrences that have been like happening around them. Like uh, they're like slowly picked off one by one. And like one night, the main character, uh, played by Kate, her like dad's killed by like one of these like supernatural beings. Like they call them like the possessed. And then she feels like she was also like living under this like patriarchal control. So when her dad's dead, she feels like lost in the world. So she's like, doesn't know what to do. So she essentially heads out into the world to find this God that's walking around the world to try to beg her to like resurrect her father. But the thing is the God finds this video camera in the beginning and decides to make like an independent film on everything that's happening in the world. And essentially all of the characters in the film become like her actors. I think it's a fun film that kind of deconstructs like independent film at the time. I think like movies coming out now, like actor Martinez and Kate plays Christine kind of like, uh, like hit around the same notes. Um, I think it's a fun film that is fun in that it's totally unexpected at like every turn. I think when I saw it, my assessment was that like when you're dying, that's what you see. Like you see your film. Does that make uh -huh. sense? I think that's what really happened. <laughs> is that what Tampopo is? Have you seen Tampopo? Yeah, but like a long time ago. And the that opens up and the guy like uh the gangster character, he like uh they're singing in the movie theater and he yeah. like talks to the camera. He's like he goes on this whole monologue about how like the last thing he like loves film and like the last thing that you see before you die is a film of your entire life. And then like, uh, then like the movie Tampopo starts, but at the very end he like gets killed mm. and then he's like, tells like his like lover to like <laughs> stop talking because he's like approaching the end. He's like watching his own film. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not true. You see tears of God, not your own movie. Exactly, um, yeah. I mean, good for you, man. Congrats. Oh, thank um, you. I'm glad that my movie's like really getting out there. Every time a person dies. <laughs> uh, why did you want to do it? Like, what influenced you to do this? Uh, the you know the film that you made. Um. So basically, I graduated college and did like nothing. I like moved to New York, was doing nothing, and then I moved back to North Carolina. And, like, broke my leg, and I feel like just like laying in bed for three months. I became like insanely depressed with like pain pills, like et cetera, et cetera. That I was basically like, I like have to do the one thing I wanted to do. So I wrote this feature length film called Mastika. And it was this like crazy epic about like how like family problems like never die. So like that film took place in Greece and it was about to, it was about like people, like this guy that can like inhabit souls of the dead and like, what the dead do when they come back to life, like they can do anything, but they just go back to their families or their lovers and they have the same like small, like banal, like, like bullshit, like problems and like fights. And then they like go back and it's just like this crazy, like recurring thing. And, uh, 
basically that whole film just like fell apart and I like worked on it for like two or three years. Um, and then when that fell apart, like the final thing was like this one actor that we wanted, this like cool Greek actor, uh, like she basically said like no to the script. She like wasn't doing film anymore. Mm. And then I was like, well, fuck, like, uh, now I want to make a, now I want to take this idea and I want to deconstruct it and do like the evil version of it in, in like America. And like the evil version is like a highly cynical, like look at like the trials and tribulations of like making film and like the meaninglessness of it or like, uh, meaning of it, you know? So then, uh, wrote tears of God. Hmm. Tears of God is actually the uh, English translation from the Greek word mastika, which is the name of uh, the first film. Okay. Is that something you still want to do, or does, does Tears of God just kind of, like, nix that idea? Like, you already got it out of your system, something like that? No, actually, I want to do, like, a second Tears of God and a mastika. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do a Tears of God 2. Yeah. Uh, which would be, like, uh, it'd almost be like a prequel that like, takes place in the church. And it's about like the father Sam character. And he like, well, there's like spoilers, but uh, kind of, but he basically like would torment this one family, um, the entire film inside the church. You wrote it already? No, I'm, I just been thinking about it. I'm writing other stuff right now. Yeah. Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, well, cool. Yeah. I mean, I can't, you know, I saw this, I saw your movie like, uh, two years ago, a year ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that, you know, people are going to get to see it now. I'm sure you are as well. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what people think because it really did like blow me away. And it's very, I don't know, I appreciate it. Um, strange movie. It's crazy. I played it at Maryland and like, there, like everyone loved it, but, but you played then, a different like, cut in Maryland. Do what you played a different cut in Maryland, right? Yeah, I played, like a 30 minute cut, which is essentially the same film, but I just like kind of strip away scenes. Yeah, but I like all the scenes, so if you could see the full thing, that's um what I recommend. But um, yeah, and Montclair, I was screamed at at the QA. <laughs> Why this guy was like. Why did you make this film? I know you're trying to be uh, like David Lynch. <laughs> like I know you're like trying to be David Lynch, and I just like didn't know what to say, and uh, he just like kept going at. I thought it was actually funny. I, I like appreciate um, that kind of reaction. You know, at least he wasn't like sleeping. Like if yeah. he hated it violently, that's um, uh, that's successful. You know. Yeah, it's easy to like. <laughs> I don't know how like thin skinned you are, but I'm pretty bad with stuff like that. And uh, whenever somebody has like, I don't want to go as far as to say like any reaction is good, but uh, I read this author. Um, I don't know if you heard of Harry Matthews, but he's um, he kind of like writes these really uh, dense mysteries, and they can be really silly. And by the end of it, they don't really resolve. And he, when he was asked about this, he was just like, you know, it's like the process should be part of the joy of reading it, not necessarily like, you know, the end. And my ideal reader would read through it and enjoy it and then get to the end and like want to throw it across the room. Uh, So I was always like, that's probably a good, that's what I want from an audience in a way. But it's also just like in the moment, I'm like, oh, man, don't hurt my feelings. You don't want to satiate your audience. Yeah. You don't want them to feel, uh, like, good. Well, good and not not in, like, a conventional way, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Depends. It's funny because I don't... I feel like, um... A lot of, uh, like, films that have come out recently that I didn't like mm-hmm. uh, try to really reward the audience. And I thought it was, like, so plastic. And I, like, don't get anything from that. Like, reward the audience how? Like, have you seen Arrival? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, like, like Arrival's like a, it's like a J.J. Abrams-esque, like, mystery box film, where the entire film, like, the narrative is like, it's like, the narrative only exists to do this huge reveal at the end of what the film's about. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just like a reveal that's supposed to make you feel like smart or like you know like a, I don't know. Um, I don't react to that though. I feel like the, if I'm if I'm gonna be rewarded by a film, it's gonna happen in the first fifteen minutes. Mm. Um, not much later, probably. Yeah, I mean, I always like there's that thing where especially you know, when you're really getting into movies and you're watching, like, a ton of shit and you're like, ooh, I'm not really, like, into this. Um, there's always that thing. It's like, do I shut it off? Do I give it another chance? Yeah. Um, but I kind of feel like there are, like, a lot of movies that, I don't know, maybe I'm, like, getting far from the point, but there's a lot of movies that, you know, not even necessarily, like, a twist at the end that makes it just like, oh, that's why everyone likes it. Um, but there's like something at the end. I don't know if Arrival does that. It sounds like there is like a twist at the end of Arrival. But um, yeah, you gotta like the film just can't be that. Like it has to be. There has to be like more stuff for the audience. Like throughout. Like it's kind of bullshit if it's like no, but the end. And then I don't know. I don't know. Uh, a film actually, I like stopped. I think four times, but finished it. it was like one of the biggest uh, regrets I've had in my life was uh, White God. White God. Oh, was that um, the dog one? Yeah. You like that movie? No, that movie's so bad. Yeah, and I hated I, it. I kept giving it more and more chances. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I was, that's the most regrettable uh, film watching experience that, I think I've ever had. That yeah. and Man of Steel. <laughs> Yeah. No, White God, yeah. I watched like 10 minutes and I was like, I can't. Like, this has nothing for me. Um, So I'm glad you tried to watch it four times and you're still like, no, that was not worth it because now I don't feel... It just has like shoddy editing and like like the political aspect to it. First off, I like don't totally understand it because it doesn't really translate. But um, it seems like it's like too like obvious, you know? Yeah, it was not subtle at all, which is fine. Like, I like stuff that's, you know, like, on the nose and, you know. I don't know. There's a kind of, like, craftsmanship there when they're like, fuck subtlety, we're going all in. And it's like, all right, I'm having a lot of fun. You know, this is, like, really angry or something. But that was just like, uh, you think I'm dumb, huh? Okay. (laughs) Homer Bounds is a better film, actually. What is? What is? Fluke. Have you seen Fluke? Fluke? Yeah. Are you talking about dog films? Yeah. Did I see... Mm, No, I'm thinking of Bingo. Oh, but Fluke's this film that, like, traumatized me as a child. And I used to watch, like, a bunch of, like, uh, disturbing, like, horror films as a kid. But (laughs) Fluke is, like, about this, like, guy that dies. Mm -hmm. He comes back as a dog. And then his, like, best friend ends up, like, marrying his, like, wife. Like, his widow. That's fucked. And then, like... And then Fluke, like the dog, thinks that the guy actually kills him. So the whole time he's thinking about how he can like get his revenge because like the family adopts this dog. Um, and there's like a scene at the end where like uh, they're like both driving in the car, like this guy and the dog, like Fluke, and Fluke like bites him, and then they like crashed into the brick wall, and like the guy's about to die, and like is like uh is like almost like final like hazy words he's like concuss is yeah. like he kind of like admits that like um like how sad he was and like he kind of reveals essentially that he didn't kill fluke yeah and fluke feels bad so he starts licking like this dying guy's face wow. and i was like <laughs> incredibly traumatizing for me yeah this um yeah, I don't know why I never saw that. That was definitely, like, on my radar as a kid, like, you know, probably playing on, like, HBO or something. So I'm just looking at the stills, like, what little I can find, and it looks like a really sad movie. Is it, like, is it funny? Is it, like, a family funny movie? I don't remember because it's so, like, intense that it has to be, like, not for kids. But once, if you have, like, a, a person turning into, like, a dog, like, that's, like, automatically, like, kids film territory, you know, or uh-huh. at least family film. Yeah. Um, How the hell did we? <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, Tears of God. We're affecting the white God. I think. <laughs> oh right, right. That's why. Okay, yeah. I I buy that. Um, so 
you had different receptions at those two festivals. And then, so what were you doing, like, after that? You didn't really play any place after that. And is there a reason why? Uh, yeah, I was going to do this, like, kind of mashup film with the director, Rick Alverson. Um, basically, we we're going to take his unreleased film, Rabbit, and then Tears of God. And then we were going to, like, kind of, it was, it was, like, his film has, like, meta aspects, and it, like, talks about, like, uh, I don't know. But basically, we are going to, like, um, combine the two films, and then we were going to direct a small segment that blends the two together. So there's, like, two different realities occurring at the same time. Mm. Uh, the reality of, like, my film and his. And then I pulled it out of festivals. I only played those two because I agreed to not play festivals. Um, but you were set. You had like other places you were going to play. Yeah. Like Frank was helping with that a bunch. Mm -hmm. um, and then basically, yeah. It, it, then like a year goes by. We're like working out like the shoot date for the middle thing. Like keeps get keeps getting like pushed until finally he was like, uh, I'm like, too busy like uh to continue doing this blah 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 and we just canceled it so i feel like happy i'm like glad that i that um this happened because i think that tears of god um becomes more and more important and it's like more fun to me to watch yeah um so i'm gonna be honest and uh like i knew that like we talk you and i are friends so i i knew a lot of that I don't know if I ever told you, but I was kind of like, whatever, it's your life, it's your career, but I was kind of like, when I watched your, when I watched Tears of God, I was like, this is such a badass, like, first <laughs> feature, you know, it was, like, really um, uncompromising and all that stuff, and it was just like, oh, God, like, you know, I mean, I look back at my stuff, and I think this is, like, fairly common, where you're like, oh, I wish I could have did this, this, different, you know, but whatever, you know, I'll get better, and hopefully we'll see, but I was just like, no, that's cool, like, Tears of God, he's always going to be proud of that, it's, you know, it's very unique. When I was making Tears of God, before I made that, like, when the first movie ended, I, like, almost had, like, a mental breakdown, I was like, I, like, couldn't watch films at all. Like I didn't, couldn't even understand the editing of films because I was kind of like studying film to like such an insane obsessive degree that like backfired. Mm -hmm. But then I started watching these like essentially like lost like horror films of like the seventies and eighties, like like uh, Jean Rolin and uh, like Argento and like uh, Chulowski. Like these are like imperfect filmmakers doing like super interesting like hyper stylized stuff. And that, that, and then like that, like like re like energized everything, um, like reinvigorated me. Mm -hmm. So I always thought Tears of God would be cool as like a cult film that was like lost, just like these films that like I found, yeah, uh, kind of like gave me inspiration. So here we are. It is, you mm -hmm. know, it's like a like it's going to be playing in spectacle, but like that. Like, that's, like, the only time you can see it right now. You know, it's not playing in festivals anytime soon, even yeah. though, um, you know, the release is imminent. Yeah. Since I'm in New York, I only get to L.A., like, maybe once a year, if that, when I'm trying to, like, escape winter. And I haven't really figured out, like, what's going on there. And I feel like you've been there for long enough that you must know something, so how do you feel about that? Like the, uh, the industry or the indie stuff there? Like, how do you, how do you operate there? Um, I feel like I, since I've been here, I've been in my own bubble, but what I like about Los Angeles compared to like the East coast, cause I'm from like North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, is that it feels like people here are more detached from reality and like, okay with that. It just feels like in Los Angeles, like people try to be themselves. I mean, there's always like trends, obviously, like you hear about the trends, but like I think in the arts communities here, people are extremely singular and unique and uh, and there isn't a lot of judgment that like goes against them. 
like, because everyone here is essentially um, insane, you know. <laughs> like, the sun's always beating down on them. Yeah. Um, I think that's fun. Uh, when it comes to film, I don't know. I can't really say. I think, like, a lot of independent filmmakers here are more focused on uh, essentially what... I don't know. It's um. I think they're they are more focused on the business side of things. I don't know if that's like a good or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm not an expert on it. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I didn't expect you to be, but I was just curious, like your take. I remember going out there and kind of like figuring out that all these filmmakers that are just playing like all these festivals, and that are like quote unquote a big deal that I was, like, tired of hearing about or or jealous over or something like that. It's kind of, like, inflated. And people in L.A., which is, like, where the industry is or whatever, don't give a fuck. Like, they don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not a deal. Um, well, yeah, there's, like, the industry, like, I live on the east side, and then I feel like the industry is more on, like, the west side, you know? Um, there's, like, a huge distinction. I feel like, like, um, there is indie film here that's that like is thriving, but then there is like a Hollywood film, which like indie film definitely interacts, but they don't care so much about the indie film. Mm-hmm. But what I do like about Los Angeles compared to the East Coast is people aren't so cynical about film. Like I feel like like living in North Carolina, I was like almost felt like I had to be guilty about like being like a filmmaker. And I shouldn't take myself too seriously. And like cynicism should exist in all of my films and the way I like, talk about them. But then I like move out here and either people are like deluded or they're like super inspiring because they all essentially advocate for their art like intensely, even if they know that nobody's going to like watch their film or pay for it. Uh, they treat it almost like where they talk about it. Like it's, um, it's like, a, it's like a real deal, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, very cool. I think um, a lot of, like, the indie, like, New York scene, like, they're extremely cynical. Um, and they, like, to the point that it's, like, um, they operate and they don't know why they're operating. Like, they, like, they don't see value in the things that they're creating. And I think there's, like, a huge, like, problem with that, you know? Well, why do you, why do you think that? Is that because of the types of films that get made? Um, I don't know why they think that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Like, if you look at independent film, like, American independent film is, is like, absolute garbage. It's trash. Um, nobody should watch, I would say, 99% of American indie films made in the past couple of years. <laughs> like, the reason for that is, like, obvious. Like, you go to these movies and they're boring. And there's, like, no point to them. And they're, like, unexciting. They're, like, totally uninspired. Mm-hmm. And then you're, like, oh, wait these people are making these films to get into these festivals or they're making these films because other people made these films and they got into these festivals or like they're essentially just like crafting products. Um, I think that's like uh, extremely sinister. I don't know. I think it goes against like the spirit of filmmaking, independent filmmaking, which is supposed to be like subversive and interesting, you know, as opposed to like, something that's more corporate controlled. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I would, I would agree with that in a sense because like on one, on one sense, it's like, I don't really like a lot of, like, I don't really take inspiration from American Indies. When I do, it's like, I do like, Oh, I respect that. I'm so glad like someone's doing this and this and this. Um, but I also like, I don't, want to tell people what they should and shouldn't make like what their movie should be I I guess the question you would have to ask yourself is like why does this film need to be made why am I putting this out there it's a good question and it's like if you can't answer that yeah if like if you can't answer that which I suspect you know like so and so can't which is probably just be me being condescending but maybe I'm on something I don't know but yeah I watch a lot of things and I'm just like why was this here this is like when I watch movies that are like basically a pitch for a TV show, yeah, like exactly. there's no there's no composition, there's no 
like no visual style. It's just like people improving. Like how many of those do we need? Like what? Are, why? Why did you need to do another one? Like what? What is this? Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a bunch of good American indie films. I just think most of them aren't good. Like they call them the festival film. These are films that like exist in festivals, and you hear about them when they're playing at them, mm-hmm. and then afterwards you never hear about them ever again. Yeah. Well, I do think part of that is that there's not, first of all, there's like too many. Uh-huh. And then there's like not enough venues to uh, sustain, like there's not enough venues for them after the festival. Like, okay, maybe they'll got, they'll get like a aggregate distributor and it ends up on iTunes, but that's kind of it because there's no PR budget or something. Uh-huh. Um, well, there's, no, there's no audience because nobody actually cares about these films. Like it's not that they're not being marketed. It's because nobody cares. They get into Sundance because a select few people care about these, or I don't even know if they care about them. They just select them to play into their festival. Mm-hmm. So like, there's like three people or five people that like like this film. Um, it doesn't mean it's ever going to translate, and I think that's the fate of most of them. Is that I think that the audience actually isn't stupid. I think the audience knows exactly what they want. Yeah. And I think that uh, they don't want derivative dramas anymore, you know? Yeah, which I think is like... <laughs> <laughs> but people like love Moonlight. That's like exactly like... Uh, like I feel like Moonlight is bigger now than it was like on like a festival circuit. Uh, and that is like a film that is structured uniquely, has like a... You know, like... Um, its own like visual language that like maintains throughout the entire film um and like great performances and it's subversive in the setup like uh like thematically you know Mm -hmm. but then you go to the birth of like birth of a nation and this is a film that was like sold for like 17 million dollars at sundance yeah and it releases and literally nobody gives a shit about it you know well that's not it actually made really good money on its weekend opening oh wow i didn't know that yeah um that's actually a whole nother topic that would be interesting to talk about but i don't know like nearly enough i just do i do know that it is like it made more money than moonlight mm-hmm. um i haven't seen it so i can't really say and i know there was like the the director you know had a past mm-hmm. that you know there was sexual assault and that came up too so like that definitely obviously hurt the film um but it, it did make a lot of money opening weekend. Well, uh, yeah. I know a bunch of people that were at Sundance that saw like um, the film there when mm-hmm. it was like super hyped up. Yeah. And they said that it was it was horrible. Yeah, um, I did hear that too. I know people that walked out. They said it was like visually like terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I did hear that, but I haven't <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Um, that being said, I think independent film in general and like film is better than it's like been in a long time uh like foreign films now are like incredible to me like i just saw the handmaid and that like blew me away yeah and l l is like an incredible film l oh okay yeah, yeah sorry i thought you were talking about uh there's this weird greek movie called l uh, uh i actually haven't seen that but um yeah yeah i haven't seen l or uh handmaid yet <laughs> But uh, I believe you. I believe that they're really good. Yeah, and you know what? I don't know. I feel like nobody's really watching them. Like, you know, obviously people are going to see, like, Handmaiden. But uh, I guess I was, like, I have these weird um, preconceived notions that we all like the same stuff or that. But I do think, like, there's, you know, even among people who are, like, filmmakers and stuff like that, they will not watch movies with subtitles. They won't do it. Really? You don't think that's true? Um, I don't know these people, but I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I think festivals actually are extremely exciting. Like, I think Maryland Film Festival is like an incredible experience because it's like they actually have like really great programming. But like, mm-hmm. if there's a film that like someone doesn't like, like they'll screen these films, and I guess like publicly it like represents the taste of Maryland. But when you're like in the festival, like like uh, socializing with these people like there is a dialogue about these films that's not always praising them you know because because uh i think filmmakers right now like indie filmmakers are 
like the best critics, like film critics, um, in the world, you know, because these are all people that like love film and they like grew up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, I think like kind of like film critique has like slipped. It's like not interesting anymore. Um, I don't know how much we could talk about this because this is going on like the playlist. Uh, the playlist is great, but IndieWire is like something that like <laughs> essentially failed uh, everyone. <laughs> Why? Because it's like um, it's essentially bullshit. All their articles are horrible clickbait. Uh, the times that they do write like or I publish articles that like support films that need support, they put literally no marketing behind it what they put in front of it is just like, he's like, uh, there's like one that was just like absolute insanity that it was this like hit piece on Miyazaki's the wind, wind rise saying it's just like pro like, <laughs> like nationalistic film that like ignores history. And if you've seen the film, it's like incredibly anti-fascism. It's like anti-war. It doesn't ignore history at all. It just looks at it and like, a, like, a, uh, it pretty much shows how like purity of like uh, purity of like love for something can mm-hmm. destroy like your life and everyone else's lives around you, you know. Yeah. And that's like the life of an artist. You're like dedicated to this one thing, and meanwhile, you're like destroying your relationships with other people. And you have to figure out like like I have to like time is like you hit a point when you're like I don't know, you're like twenties, like late twenties or whatever, where I am, where it's like uh like time feels very limited and you have to like essentially like delegate to something that you find important. You know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. but basically IndieWire wrote this reductionist like article saying it's like blah, 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 nationalistic, fascist, uh, couldn't be more wrong, but it got like tons of coverage. Yeah. I mean, all of them do. And then like, you have like, I don't know. Uh, anyway, but basically, uh, then there's like rotten tomatoes, uh, the dissolve was shut down. The dissolve was like, uh, I didn't agree with them ever, but like, they would have tons of interesting like film writing. Yeah, they would they would do that more, like earlier on when they were when they were there. I would see like, they would do like a cool movie of the week. They did um, what is it called? Uh, the Makmabaf movie. They did that where there was like four articles, four or five articles like that week. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, you know, and then I guess they maybe were told to not do, uh, you know, these weird movies. And then you got like movie of the week, like Toy Story 3, uh, <laughs> you know, stuff that we didn't need like another five articles about. Um, so, yeah, I feel I felt the same way about them where they were like they would do cool stuff. Like, they covered my friend's movie, uh, Go Down Death, which was, like, such a surprise to him. And it's, like, a film that, like, needs, like, more people talking about it. So that, like, generated some talk. But uh, he was like, oh, yeah, but you scroll down to the comments section and people are like, I don't know a lot about horror movies. Like, what do you guys think? What should I watch? And then there's this, uh, there were all these threads of, like, suggesting these horror movies. So nobody is talking or seeking out this film that the article is on. They're just doing their own thing in the comments section. Uh, people are doing good work, and then the audience that are, like, of the website don't care or, like, don't. Well, it's just, like, kind of what you just said. It's, like, almost, like, um, like how can any of these websites, like, like film critique, how can it make money um, mm-hmm. unless it is just a paid advertisement for films? And, like, that, like, taints, like, the water. Like, I think that filmmakers are the most honest people when it comes to, like, film critique like moonlight was fun like i know tons of filmmakers that didn't even like moonlight you know like they just thought it was like whatever but if you read the written critique uh it's like um the best film ever made you know yeah it's the most important film of the year i don't know i was always like really 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 surprised when i was doing like a lot of criticism that people a lot, a lot of people, I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of people just weren't digging. They weren't looking for new work. They weren't looking to like discover new things and give them like a platform and a shout out and stuff like that. They were not doing that at all. And that means like you're at a festival, so you see something you've never heard of. That tends to, that can happen. 
but um like outside of a festival like you have the fucking internet like you can be looking around you can be on like like now you have fandor or like you can go on uh festival scope which is like streaming for festival movies which includes like not only american but like ever, like a ton of other countries like a lot of foreign films um and this just was not happening did that always perplexed me and i know uh you're a critic and like a lot of people that's their job and that's how they make money so they can only like do so much but i was still kind of surprised it's just like you don't have the time to do that like wasn't that exciting like when you were getting into movies when you like discover and like still you discover something like oh my god this is amazing um this is something i never heard of like why wouldn't you want to do that when your your job is to like do is to like an, analyze a movie and like get it out there and like shout from the rooftops of this movie like why aren't people just going and digging around and looking for new shit it like doesn't happen as much as like you assume it would yeah i mean i feel like you have like a good point like um like the people writing about like film should always be like searching but like for me and i think a lot of people you go through moments where you really want to like seek out new films and then there's times where you don't want to watch any films at all Mm -hmm. um this is like definitely been true for me i feel like when i was younger i would like watch everything and now i don't at all i feel like um your taste like calcifies or something you know I wouldn't say my taste calcify. I think I have like I have like a very big respect, like more so than most people for uh slow cinema. Mm-hmm. But I will I do find myself going through times where I'm like I'm into superhero movies now. I want to see them. I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it and I'll enjoy them. And then the other day I saw Doctor Strange and I was like not into it at all pretty much. The movie was so bad. Yeah. Civil War was great though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, was that bad, or am I like moving out of that phase again? Like, so I don't know. Me away because like um, Robert Downey Jr. does like his same shtick, you know what I mean? But um, maybe I don't watch all of the Avengers movies or and Iron Man films. But I was like definitely like surprised by his performance in that film. He's like he like operates selfishly, even though he like uh, is like the leader of the group. But really, like underneath it, he's like only operating out of guilt. So he like tries to like 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 push guilt onto like other people. You know, I thought that was definitely like very interesting to see in like a superhero film. Like um the collateral damage of like spectacle that we like enjoyed as an audience. We now are looking at like our hero, um, like tormented by it, you know. Yeah. What really used to bug me too, like when I'd be like more into criticism was that like you would hear like all these different people have opinions about uh let's say doctor strange or like all these like huge obvious movies and it's like what makes you think like you know people want that or like people need it like why do you i guess also it was like when i was in film school you know everybody would be like oh we're all movie buffs and they'd go and they'd do their own top 10 and stuff like that and like a couple of them did want to be critics and it's like well why aren't you like talking about some something that nobody knows like why aren't you doing that and because to me it's like if you want to be a critic like what can you do like do i put in like the 30th review of dr strange or do i find this movie that has no reviews that like oh i watched it i really like it and Mm -hmm. nobody's written about it so i'm going to do it so then like you do help that film but you also help yourself because like you're the only person who's written about it Mm -hmm. um maybe they like want to belong you know what i mean like like the like the critic community, um, like that's why they like put their own spin on essentially the exact same article over and over again. Yeah. But yeah, like I totally see what you mean. Like, like there's no point in pushing Doctor Strange because they have millions of dollars of budget that already does that. Well, it's Art- also like, do you, like how many fucking do you want to read twenty reviews of Doctor Strange? Do people do that? <laughs> that are all essentially saying the same thing. You know, people do because like they read the, like okay the Doctor Strange um, like rhetoric is that like that it's this like um, psychedelic uh, Marvel film and then you like watch it and it's like not psychedelic it's like <laughs> very ugly and stupid and confusing yeah that looks Maybe pretty that much like all the other ones <laughs> but, that looks um, like pretty much all the other ones I didn't find it to be psychedelic at all I thought it was uh, 
I thought what's a more psychedelic Marvel film was um what's that space one? Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I thought that was way more psychedelic. Like LA film or whatever, to answer your question before, I've been in my own like bubble. I like I moved here and I started working on like this like VR film. I feel like I haven't really experienced much of Los Angeles because I just finished it last month, you know? Yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think, like, the cynicism and, like, uh, attachment to, like, the idea of... I mean, the idea of, like, typical, like, success in film is, like, you're going to be tormented by that anywhere. But um, here it just feels like people celebrate cinema more. Mm-hmm. And uh, it like feels like alive here. It feels like people actually care. I remember, like, I mean, <laughs> I've been scolded for not advocating for my films before um, by people that like wouldn't, that like don't understand what it's like to like grow up in like a place where like people literally don't give a fuck about film. They like think you're an idiot. Well, actually, they probably <laughs> do understand that, but um, yeah. <laughs> But, like, when you also go to, like, film festivals and people are still cynical and they don't give a fuck about your film, yeah, uh, then it's kind of, like, deeply ingrained where you're like, oh, like, what am I doing? And you always have to realign yourself. Like, you have to become obsessed with something again and then you make your not- another film. And then you become disappointed by, like, <laughs> the success of the film, you know? Yeah. Well, what do you mean, like, nobody cares? Like, what do you mean by that where it's, like... Huh. Like can you... <laughs> it's kind of like what you're saying. Like, uh, like people pick a couple films a year to champion, mm-hmm. um, and then there's like the cynical look on like another indie film. You know, even if it's interesting, like there's always like a spin on it. There's always like this like this feeling that it's like a pointless thing. You know, it doesn't like no indie film. American indie film like needs to exist. Like I think a lot of people feel this way. Okay. Because they, I think they feel like it doesn't quite hit art, and it like doesn't really entertain either. Mm-hmm. And also, it's made by you know like privileged white males, males. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did it, I don't know? Um, you don't ever get this feeling that people don't care about your movies? <laughs> Absolutely. No, of course. Yeah, 100%. Um, no, of course. Yeah. So, like, it's also, like, uh, you know, it's like an inner thinking thing. Like, you think that, or not you, but I'm just saying, like, the per- a person thinks that nobody cares about their film because, mm-hmm. like, they it either doesn't hit, like, their personal mark of success, which is probably undefined anyway, or, like one or two people don't respond to it. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, 50 other people really like it. Like, there's, like, a whole thing with, like, releasing films where it's, like, like, well, if my film didn't play Sundance, nobody's going to care about it. And it's actually not true. I'd say most, like, audience members don't give a fuck, like, where your film ever played, if it ever even played a film festival. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, they just want to watch something that they think is cool, you know? Yeah. Um... No, okay, so there's, like, there's two things. Uh, to follow up on my, like, original thought is that, like, oh, nobody cares, which, you know, is, like, as you just said, not true, but you do get that sense, and, like, you cannot, like, I think that's hard to kind of, like, shed. But to me, I'm kind of seeing that as, like, liberating. Like, oh, nobody gives a fuck, whatever. So what does that mean? That means that I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep like making some stuff that I like and I'm not really going to worry about is this too off-putting or like experimental to have this moment in and it's like, well, no, I like it. I think it's cool. I've never seen it before. So I'm going to do it. And if like someone's turned off by that, like forget it. I'm not going to worry about that. I don't mean that to sound like super vague that I'm doing like these terrible like disgusting things but um i just mean that in the sense where it's like i'm not gonna like get bummed out about that and um the other thought was like i feel like we're probably always going to be disappointed because what are we looking for like what are the best case scenarios for like we make a film and best case scenario plays this huge festival best case scenario plays a bunch of them you win something maybe you get distribution you know like you have all these markers that are best case scenarios and it's like they're all increasingly like unlikely to happen to you and your film. And then at the end, like what is like the best case scenario 
all the way at the end, like your film did really well, got distributed and stuff like that. It's kind of like, no matter what, like that final thing is like, probably not going to be good enough for you. So you have to... Why would you ever consider that to be like more of a fulfilling like marker than actually having completed the film you wanted to make, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, Because I think people make you feel that way. Yeah. (laughs) I think there's like a lot of pressure, you know, that you're not doing things right and you're like, you're wrong for, I don't know, for, I, I think that exists and that's a lot of pressure which, you know, probably won't ever go away, but I think it's good to, like, I don't know, that we talk about it <laughs> to yeah. kind of, like, clear the air. Because, um, yeah, I think that's true. I think, like, you get your film out there and you will get people to watch it and they'll be affected by it. But uh, those, like, markers in their head, like, should not be as important as they are. I think you should care about them, you know, especially if it, like, helps you do better. But, you know, like, don't worry about it too much. Yeah. Yeah, I think the goal is kind of what you just said. That like um that like it's not that we're making successful products. It's that we're making like meaningful art. And I think that like hopefully that's like gonna push into like Trump's new America, you know. Like I think <laughs> that people should be more focused on experimentation and not creating these products because we don't want like <laughs> we don't want the machine to thrive. We want to hurt it, you know. Yeah. All the products that really should be extremely abrasive, like like uh, it should be offensive. It shouldn't be shit that's like, like was it like Paper Towns or is it, what's that Cara Delevingne film? That what? That Cara Delevingne movie. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, Miles Tellier is it? <laughs> um, Paper Moon, Paper Towels. Not Paper I mean, Moon. What, what, paper the... Towels. Uh, anyway. Um, quirky. Indie. Oh, where he's like an alcoholic? Uh, okay, the spectacular now. Like, these yeah. films, like, like, um, they, like, push the status quo. They, like, feed it, you know? And they, like, they're gonna just keep making more and more of them. But I think that hopefully art's gonna turn, uh, important again, you know? It hasn't been important for a second, especially film. Make film um, important again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so easy. You can like, oh my god, I can't believe I said that. That's such an easy fucking joke. We gotta like purge that as well. Um, <laughs> purge easy jokes. Uh, man, we've been talking a long time. I feel like I want to have you on again because this is okay. like we're. I thought we did pretty good. We'll yeah. see. We'll see what the hits say. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I am curious. You know, like I don't want to go on too much longer because we've been here for a while. But uh, I'm I would always I I'm always curious to know. I feel like people are very cagey about it, and you know you're open. So you did a short film called uh, Days of Being Mild. Yeah, the virtual reality film. Yeah, um, I would love to know how you got to do that because that's like a gig, and you got to do your own thing. Am I right? Yeah, it was uh, essentially a sh- like a short film that was paid for by Ray Ban. So that how do you do that? Took, yeah. How the hell do you do that? Basically, uh, I met this guy, Alex Warren, because we exchanged films. And I loved his film sequence. It's like feature that's like comprised with a bunch of shorts. And he loved my other short film that's not out yet called Talk About Your Dreams that has Caitlin Sheel in it. And he said that was like one of his favorite short films. Basically, he moved out to Los Angeles and started working with this company more. And he directed a Ray-Ban film and then produced another one. And he just basically like lobbied me really hard with this production company. And then they reached out to me and then I like, I pitched them. And uh, like, so like Ray-Ban like gives a lot of money to these films. So I thought like, I only have like one shot and like life. Might as well like make this like, even though that's not even a true statement, I just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to have like a wild pitch. So I was like, okay, uh, Japan and virtual reality. Like these are two things I've always wanted to do. And then they essentially those two things, they like loved it. They're like, sounds great. Like what's the story? Yeah. <laughs> and they actually, they sold it on, like they like accepted the pitch and greenlit it. And I wrote the script a week before we flew to Tokyo. But basically to get that gig is to 
uh, I think make stuff that you think is interesting that other people will find interesting. It doesn't have to be like a wild success, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah, basically got off my relationship with Alex. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good way to put it. So th- yeah, there's hope because you got a budget and you got to do something really cool that you still loved. So there is hope that this actually happens and that you can, I don't know, um, continue to to live and to, to work in the medium. You just need people that are like going to support you, you know? If like, if you are making stuff that you think's good and some people do think are good, like you just have to continue because I think like, you are going to find people that are very good at advocating for you. And like Alex is like an extremely good person that's advocating. Like mm-hmm. he would just like, just like people would like sit down and he would just like tell them, he's like, you might not like this guy's film, but like, this is why these guys, this guy's film is like important because it does stuff that like these, these other films aren't doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then at the end they like believe him and then they like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I think they did like my movies, but, um, yeah, you just need uh, to make good work and then find people that will advocate for you if you can't do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, we've been talking <laughs> for quite a lot of time, um, but it was good. I had a good time. I hope you did too. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, let's let's close it out. Thank you for coming on. Um, thank you for having me. Cool. Uh, I want everyone to go see Tears of God at Spectacle. Yes, um, there will be that information is in the article as well as um, Robbie's film for Ray Band Days of Being Mild. I'll put a link there, and you can check it out, and also the trailer for Tears of God stuff like that. So, thank you everyone for listening. Give us a like and a comment, and you know, make it nice. We don't want any of the any of the bad stuff. None of the bad stuff. Um, thank you. you. You were listening to Indie Beat. We're on the Playlist Podcast Network. There are other shows, so please check them out as well. They're all fantastic. And please keep tuning in to us because we want that. That's what we want. I am Christopher, Jason, Bell. Thank you for listening. Farewell, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>